Welcome to the Popcorn Junkies. Welcome. We've already recorded 10 minutes of a review, which I'd forgotten to hit record on. Uh, we were debating how you pronounce Joachim Phoenix. Joachim. Joachim. Bo is Afraid. Um, directed by Ari Aster. Ari Aster directed Hereditary, horror film, Tony Collette, Gabriel Byrne. And Midsommar. Much heralded. And then he directed Midsommar, which I had a lukewarm response to, and then really liked. Or enjoyed much in a much more deeper level on a much more deeper level when I saw his sort of director's cut. Obviously, both those films have a huge cult following. I mean, he's considered like a big deal. Yeah. Ari Aster, like Maddie said, oh, there's a new trailer for a new Ari Aster film. It's it's a thing, a new yeah. Ari Aster film. Yeah. It's called Bo is Afraid. What does Bo mean, Mum? Beautiful. Beautiful. When you first said, let's go and see Bowie is Bo is Afraid, I thought you were saying Bowie, as in David Bowie. Okay, I've wanted a few days to think about this film. Yeah. Um, but there was one major reason I didn't want to go and see this. Why was that? I can't, I don't know. Come on, Mark, have a guess. Um, Very simple one. Pr practical one. Practi oh, because of the length of time. Three hours long. I think it was even longer than that. Three. It's two hours, 59. I've needed, like I say, a few days to digest this. What were your anticipations going? What do you think of Ari Aster? What do you like of his other films? I liked... Let's lay the layer of the land. Let's I get the layer of the land. I liked Hereditary far more than Midsommar. Did you? Yeah. What did you like about Hereditary? The horror. The horror was more... Was We were gifted It was more, more conventional, horror. though. Until the end, yes, it was, or maybe... I thought the, the end, end got a bit more conventional. Man. So yeah. are you an Ari Aster fan before this film? That's an interesting question. I in a minute, we're going to get a straight answer hardly. to something. Hardly. Hardly? No, it's hardly. This is Bo is Afraid. This is a film about a curious character called Bo who... Well, how would you describe him? He's, he's, he's a son. He's a middle-aged man. He's the son of a businesswoman who is clearly at the beginning of the film in in therapy he's he's deeply damaged in some way i mean he's he's, he's damaged goods he's, we know he's... that immediately don't we from the therapy scene i mean the best way to describe this film because there is no way to describe this film picaresque it pick what does picaresque mean mum for the lay person i don't know what does it mean <laughs> you use the word you, you know the word you... relating to an episodic style of fiction yeah. dealing with the adventure of a rough and dishonest but appealing hero like Don Quixote. I don't, know if this character is dis I don't know if he's dishonest, though. <laughs> uh, there's certainly something wrong with him. Right, OK, so this is a character portrait. I think the only way you could sort of say this is a character portrait, it's described on Wikipedia as a surrealist, tragicomedy horror film. I, I would agree with all of those kind of genre kind of touches. Um, Can I just say something? Yeah. It starts in the womb. Yes. Which is also, uh, you know, true of some quite sort of big... Things like Reminds Trist me of the Tin Drum. Gunter Grass is the Tin Drum. Shandy starts, starts in does the it? same does way. Does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I liked that. Well, I, th I liked the beginning. It was so abstract. There was pushing, there was crying, there was heart, there was. <gasps> there was uh. I knew we were in trouble. Did you? I did. Why did you think we were in trouble, Mum? Because I knew that if we were taking that much time to be born, it was going to be hell once he was born, and it was going to take absolutely ages, and it did. I quite like a crib to grave. What was that what they call it? What's it called? There's a phrase, it's cradle to grave sort of story arc. Do you? I liked it. I like the idea. I really like the beginning. I thought the beginning was really, uh, it, it wrong-footed me and I thought it was quite inventive and I thought it was quite impressionistic. I think it's a sort of a sort of collection of little setups and scenes. Yeah, that will do. I would say that this is quite an ornate, this is almost like, he's quite interested, isn't he? I've noticed in dolls' houses and the building of wicker things and this is quite an ornate film. It's an ornately crafted film. It has lots and lots of complicated different sort of set pieces you're challenged all the way through it to kind of interconnect them it's quite hallucinatory and it's a series of episodic moments in what I for, for me what it was was a, a series of episodes in a man in a man's life or perception of his life as he's going through a massive mental breakdown yes. or many mental breakdowns yeah yeah um, it's about where he comes from it's about him coming to terms with who his father is who his mother is what he is who he is what the world is around him 
um, thus we start with birth. It's about what is love. It's about who can be trusted. And in all of this, we go through an absolute myriad of bizarre, increasingly bizarre, hallucinatory, hip, trippy kind of episodes, yeah. don't we? Is that a fair description? It's a very fair description. I can smell toast. Isn't that the first sign of a stroke? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you a thing I like about him. And I liked <laughs> it in uh, the director. Right. And I liked it in Hereditary, not so much in Midsummer. He fills the frame. I like the way he fills the frame. Can I just say there's one thing that I... <laughs> You're right. Yeah. The thing I was most funny about that phrase is, you can't not fill a frame, Mum. No, you can. No, you can't. You can. Because by dint of it being a frame, everything in it is filling yes, it. Yes, but you know what I mean. There's He's good. What do you mean? He's good at composition, every... like Wes Anderson. Yeah, even more than Wes Anderson, I think. I mean, I remember in Hereditary thinking I had to look all over the screen to make sure I wasn't missing something. Right. And it's the same in this. Yeah. In the better bits of this, you know, the things that take place outside his apartment, for mm. example, which I thought was masterly. Mm. Well, we actually, okay. Well, let's jump in there because that's yeah. kind of pretty much one of the first scenes. We have this sense of a flashback where he falls in love with a girl on a boat. Was he in love from a young age? Bloody, bloody, blah, 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 blah um, and all that. But yeah, the first sort of extended scene is him and his flat, isn't it? It's yeah. him and his sort of apartment. Yeah. And I, you're right. I think that describe how they describe the sort of setup there because it was his flat, but he was in a sort of community that was it's, presented quite interestingly. Yeah. I thought. Oh, amazingly! I mean, that was really inventive and very funny. I thought. Um, I mean, it's an extended sort of uh, shaggy dog story in the sense that it's he goes out to, to deal with something and leaves his key and then can't goes back to get his key and can't. Well, get he goes out people. to get some water because he's been given these yeah. drugs by his therapist. He yes. says, "Whatever you do, don't take these drugs without, without using water. without drinking water." I thought it was interesting about mental health from the beginning. I, I was feeling. I mean, I don't know if you've got this because I don't know if you've been, you haven't been prescribed anything for a mental health condition. You have for other things, but but I, I very much felt that this was a film about mental health and it was about mm. the management of it and it was about the boundaries of mental health and all the stuff that I've talked a lot about. Or we've talked a lot about on the channel about what am I and who am I and yeah, what is the absolutely. illness and who is the illness and what causes the illness. Is it the fuck up of parents? Is it the fuck up of me? Is it the fuck up of the world, of the life, and all that kind of stuff? And I thought this opening scene was really good because it, it, it was like a it was like a scene from hell. It's like yeah, Hieronymus, Hieronymus Boschian Bosch hell outside yeah. his apartment. So like you say, when he runs out to get water, everything goes wrong. Yeah, but also there are so many little tabloids, almost like a ballet or choreography, mm. where I love the fact that there's a dancer, a guy d doing a dance who stays there all mm. the way through. Because mm. all these people, I mean, he does go out. He's panicked to death because he can't get back. And then mm. he sees his flat being invaded. So the front door's being left and he sees people go in and then people are partying. And I mean, it's incredibly hallucinatory. You can't yeah, work yeah. out at any point whether this is literally happening. Well, you sort of know it's not. Exactly. But at the same time, it's exactly. presented as if it is, which is what I mean when I say he fills the frame because you sort of have to take some things on trust. Mm. I really like this scene. If you've seen it, I really like the, the around his apartment. I thought yeah. it was drawn really well. It was like a sort of, it was a bit like Streatham, actually. It was a bit like near your flat. And it was... I mm. think he was saying that, essentially, was that this is the way that we live, mm. modern life. Yeah, mm. but you've got within this madness, you've got like a naked man who's who's notorious for stabbing people savagely. Yeah. And, and so, and it's funny. I mean, it, it is it, funny. It, it's it pitched funny. as comedy. It's like, this is so ludicrously dangerous. How can this be real? And yet Joachim Phoenix is kind of negotiating his way around this in his own madness. And it's just accepted that you try and dodge the knife-wielding naked maniac yeah. in the street. I he, liked all that. I did too. He, essentially, the, he, he's real. He's real and sort of nothing else is, I felt. Mm. I mean, he's the beating heart of the film. The, the, oh, the absolutely. Person that, whether you like him or not, whether you trust him, whether you think that he's so damaged you can't keep up with him. He is the mate. He's the focus of the film. Mm. 
And it sort of stands or fails with him, I think. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I didn't know how, what to make of him at first. No, I, didn't know, I, I, didn't I didn't know what to make of him all the way through it. Yeah, and I don't know if you noticed, but across the arc of the film, his articulacy got worse and worse and worse. It did. So by the end, he sounded like a really, really sort of even more inarticulate than Ozzy Osbourne, Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, yeah. he, I mean, he really couldn't talk. Yeah. And I think that was that must have been kind of intentional because, I mean, for example, there are moments in this that, for me, were really scary fundamentally scary so for example one in of the a psychological way yeah, yeah and what the first scene that really affected me uh -uh. was him in the bath and him looking up oh for god's sake and there's just a man stretched across keeping himself up frantically trying to stay there now i felt that completely didn't you the jury's out on what this film whether it achieves whatever it's setting out to achieve but all I can say is there were certain moments in this where it really got me. And and this scene where he was frantically looking up at this guy. The guy is frantically trying to stay a lot, stay stay up in this alcove above the bar. And he's trying to and stay away from the stay, spider. And then the spider comes around. I mean, I was literally like, ah! But what was frightening about it was, it the way it unsettled me, it was almost like it opened a crack in my head, in my mental health. Okay. It was such an effective and efficient way to access or make a viewer access their own mental health issues. Yeah. I felt paranoia, I felt stress, I felt anxiety, anxiety I felt fear, I felt yeah. invasion. And then when they're struggling, and then finally the guy falls yeah. and they're struggling in the bath. Yeah. And yeah, I thought it was just one of the most unsettling scenes I've seen in cinema for quite yeah, a while. it was done really effectively, that one. That one scene. Yeah. I thought it was at its strongest in this opening sequence. I thought this whole setup in his flat. Yeah. What about his phone call to home? To his, to, his phone's his mum. Well, the whole film is about his relationship with his mother, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, that's where I, f I felt it sort of lost me. I mean, I knew I was in trouble over the birth because mm. I knew that involved it, you know, the mother of the person mm. that's being born and that's going to be him. But then it, it, it became a sort of long, 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 Jewish mother joke. Oh, well, I'm pleased you said that because I think I've no, I mean, I, and I'm saying this because I've noticed a number of the reviews mention this. Um, you know, you know the, the overbearing Jewish yes, mother. Yeah, and also the kind of almost the spoiled son yeah. and, and, and that kind of yeah. thing. But didn't you find it hysterically funny in a dark and twisted fashion that he kept phoning up and basically there was a delivery man who'd found his mother yeah. and her head had gone because the chandelier had collapsed and crushed her head. Yeah. I thought that scene, I thought Joachim Phoenix played that. That was the moment at which I was won over by him. I thought. Yeah. Oh my god! Okay, because he was playing it for real. He peaked there, which was is only about half about, an hour. Yeah, in, half an hour. In, yeah. And then goes gradually downhill, as you say. So in the oh. end, he's literally almost just making noises. No, no. He becomes no. more and more inarticulate, he and does, more and yeah. more things. Uh, things are more and more just happening to him, aren't they? Yeah, as yeah. We, as we move through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have this curious. So, and so that's the whole extended sort of opening sequence. I thought it was really effective. I thought at this point, I thought, okay, this is interesting. This is you know, man goes mad in flat. Uh, he imagines that the flat's overrun by all the neighbours and all the kind of miscreants in the street and everyone kind of comes flying through his door and they maltreat and they're having sex and they're eating everything, all that. I thought that was all good. This moment in the bath absolutely freaked me out. Phones his mum. And then he gets hit by a car whilst he's dashing out to get the water or dashing back to the flat or doing something. Essentially, we enter the second chapter of Devil, yeah. or the second. Yeah. I, mean, I think there's, you know, traditionally it's three acts. There's about four yeah. or five in this. Yeah. And the second yeah. act is with Nathan Lane. Who's brilliant. Who I thought was great. And Amy Ryan, who plays his wife. Yeah. And they're kind of looking after Joachim Phoenix. They sort of picked him up. They've hit him. 
and then now they're looking after him. But and don't forget the lodger who is played by that. The Belgian, lodger played by Denny Menuche, who plays an ex-veteran who's off his nuts. Who doesn't do anything except scream and shout. He's given no dialogue. At Absolute all. psychopath who was the friend of their dead son, and so they're looking after him because he was a hero. But he's got such post-traumatic stress that he's just he goes batshit crazy all the bloody time. When trying I first to kill saw people. him, I thought it can't be him. No. How could it be? And of course they live with their daughter too, who is who is addicted to taking drugs. Now this whole family is the about daughter. drug taking because the father Nathan Lane's a surgeon, and so for me this film then became about so you've got you've got the kind of isolated mental health crisis of the first act the second act for me was about medication and medicine yeah and how medicine and medication constrains yeah you know sort of placates numbs yeah all that kind of stuff and the whole sort of family um dynamic because the teenage the girl the daughter mm. who feels that she's been put out of her room by well, she has walking yeah. arriving yeah um, it's absolutely Kylie fearsome. Rogers, is it? I think that's she's one of the most fearsome teenagers I've ever come across petrifying. in my life. Absolutely I mean, petrifying. I mean, this is a spoiler review. I mean, I've never, I've often wondered how do people kill themselves with drinking a a, tup, a pot of paint? I mean, she was really scary. Again, and so the horror in this scene was the way in which this family was holding him back. Yeah. And were wanting to keep him in this house. Now, I tell you, the film I was getting lots of uh, vibes from in this whole sequence was Bob Balaban's parents. Oh, I was course. very much getting that sense oh, of yeah. almost a sickening perfection of this is life. Nathan Lane, I thought, played it very well. I thought it was really Nathan good. Nathan Lane was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and so you've just got this sense of poor old Bo in the middle of this sort of, he's, you know, they've put him in their daughter's room. It's pink. It's kind of yeah. it's garish. It's, it's, he's got sort of, you know, he's got Korean he's pop. He's bewildered. He wants to be driven to his mum's, but they won't take him. No, it's not that they won't take him. That wouldn't, that would, in itself wouldn't be so bad if they just said outright, mm. we can't take you. But they keep promising to take him. And they don't. It is nightmarish. Yeah. The more you sort of think about it, it's nightmarish. When you're in it, you're kind of like, as you, you quite, quite rightly say, it does fill the frame. You know, everything's kind of very stimulating. Every location is rich. And you've got this psychopathic Dennis Minichet in the in the caravan outside threatening to kill people. Um, there's that awful scene where he's in, uh, Phoenix is in the car with the two teenagers and they're threatening, they're forcing him to smoke the spliff. Yeah. You know, anyway, so he escapes here. And then we go to the third act. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a a wandering troop of actors in the yeah, forest. Yeah, suddenly in a wood. It suddenly became very Shakespearean play. sort of... Um, I thought this was for me... woodland players. And here we start to get stuff kind of that starts to reference about his father, who his father could be. Some guy comes over saying, I knew who your father was. This was the point at which I was lost. The whole theatre in the woods bit really, really annoyed me. It did me. It got, I, I just thought this is ridiculous and I just don't want to go there. I, it, I just, I don't know. I just, he's, he is very interested in Ariasta. I don't know if you, if you think of, is it tableaus? Is yeah. it Portman? He is interested in creating these little kind of miniatures yeah. of narrative kind of stuff. Like you say, constructed, very yeah. sort of stage-like, but quite sort of Wickerman-esque. And, yeah. and so this whole theatre in the woods type thing, I know what he was going for, but... I don't think it's the richest part of his films anyway. I, I, no, I, I, don't, I, don't. I, I just thought, oh. Which, I, in a way, the whole Midsummer is yeah. a bit large in a way. Yeah. Which I don't. I well, I think Florence Pugh kind of nudged Midsummer out. Yeah, no, she made it player. different. And I got bored. I got yeah. bored by this whole sort of sequence. You know, he, he was imagining himself in the play. Yeah. There's all this kind of stuff going on. And, and then Dennis, you know, the psychopathic kind of ex vet who's got post traumatic stress, he comes charging through, blowing everyone up. Yeah. What are you making of it? What are you doing in the cinema at this point? Well, I was really, really crossed by this Oh, point. OK, why? That's interesting. Um, I'll tell you what my problem is, and in a way I do have to sort of say the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, go for it, go for it. As I came out, I thought, a filmmaker surely has a duty to his audience to sort of... There's a contract set up. 
if we're by the very nature of you sitting in a dark cinema watching something mm. for in this case three hours yeah and there is a sort of expectation let's say that you will be kept entertained not just well not just entertained that there will be some sort of logic or realism or right you won't it won't simply be veering from right like in a child's sort of way yeah from one sort of crazy scene to another crazy scene however um however sort of i mean those scenes might be incredibly funny in themselves mm. and sort of look amazing but that's for seconds and then it, it's not enough i started to feel after the woodland scene i was already feeling it before the woodland scene i was thinking Bo, unfortunately, I'm very much reaching the point where I couldn't give a shit about Bo. Right. I knew that it was all going to be his mother's fault. And right. It, and it became so. Yeah. And he sort of, I felt the last two acts, he was piling, to use your analogy, it was like your head and he was piling stuff into his brain to yes. make him blow up. Right. But in a very, very sort of predictable way. Yeah. The sex scene, for example, I mean... Well, the sex, this is odd, because the character... that was. Yeah, well, the character that he, obviously, as a child, falls in love with, finally she comes along. Somewhere in the narrative, it's said to him, by his mother, that his father died on the one occasion he orgasmed. And so, yeah. in his conception, was his... I mean, there's a lot of Oedipal stuff Nonsense. going on here. Yeah. There's all sorts of kind of issues, daddy issues, mummy issues. And we'll get to the biggest issue in the attic in a minute. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then and then they end up having sex. So he goes back to the house where his mum's funeral awake is. He meets the girl that he was romantically, you know, interested in as a child, and they have sex. And of course, he's panic stricken that the same thing's going to happen to him that he's heard happen to his father. Yeah. Which is, as soon as he orgasms, he's going to die. Well, of course, what happens is she dies. Yeah. But she freezes. <laughs> and she, fr I thought that was quite funny. Actually, I thought that was. I well laughed done. out loud. Yeah, I did at that bit. I mean, and it was I've hysterical because there was such a long... I thought it was quite well held and I thought yeah. Phoenix played it brilliantly because you're like, what the fuck is happening and here? she did because I couldn't sort of see the join in the sense that... No. I presume that as as she's taken out of the room... Yeah. That sort of... It goes from a real person to a model or something. But yeah, because then they come the in and then these guys... You see, there were moments in it where I was getting sort of almost Stanley Kubrick, um, Clockwork Orange-esque kind of things going on. You know, as soon as you have a moment where, like, so suddenly the mother turns up and it's all been an elaborate con because yeah. she, she really wants to know whether her son really is devoted to her or not anyway. And so you've got all this kind of stuff going on. You've got his confusion about who he is, where he came from. Does he have siblings? What, who, who is his father? Go up and see your father in the attic. And what's his father? A multi-toothed penis, giant yeah. penis, yeah. in the attic yeah. with his brother, twin brother, was it? Sort of like fumbling around in the... He's I mean, big it's on little... attics, isn't he? I mean, wasn't it an attic in Hereditary? Always going up ladders, tree houses, uh, you know, dolls' houses, sort of wicker things, sort of yeah, weird. It's a weird sort of proclivity that he's got here. It is, Mark, but not weird enough in the sense that it's... it's well, I, I, I come back to the use of the word predictable. I tell you what I'm. I tell you as I'm saying. Sitting... Sorry, just to finish the thought because I'm trying to trying to think why I was so annoyed by it. If you take the Freudian uh, route, yeah. and we do from the very beginning because I think oh, practically therapy, the yeah. first scene is the therapist and yeah. he writes down guilt. The only word he writes down is guilt, and that's a huge joke. I mean, we're supposed to laugh at that. And... Oh yeah, I mean, there's no rocket science in trying, no. in trying to sort of analyze fear of sex, fear of the vagina, fear of your mother, yeah. resentment of the mother, killing of the mother, her head being crushed in that way, hating the father, killing the father. And I thought, I just thought, oh come on, yeah, come on, Harry Aston, not Joachim Phoenix, who I thought, within the parameters of what he was given, did a good job. Mm. He was very confused and got more confused as the film went on. 
But I just thought, oh, give us something else. I'm, yeah. I'm bored with this. Yeah, yeah. I know where it's going. And predictably, it went there. When I say there was a giant sort of penis in the, in the attic, I mean, I don't mean giant. I mean, like, I mean, like mon a monster Monstrous. in the corner going, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. But it was, it was like Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters, yeah. but yeah. It, but it was a penis. It lost, oh my, lost, it lost me a, a, a way before that. But I mean, I thought all of this was so overcooked. It was so, it was all just too, too much. I suppose the big question for me is, did it make me think anything about anything to do with my life and what it means to be a human? It did in the first few acts. I was thinking about you know perception of world of life yeah. of reality yeah, of me that. in this world yeah. of me as a diagnosed person as me as a psychotherapeutic person you know the yeah. fact that we are i mean you've never been in therapy but the fact that we are an amalgamation of experiences and our reactions to those experiences and trauma and all this kind of stuff didn't I, I, you feel at all at any point that it's not enough to give you all these sort of completely disparate things happening with no sort of I mean, maybe I'm overplaying the idea of a contract between the director and the audience, but you've got to, so there's got to be some logic somewhere or otherwise. Well, I don't know. I mean, we've it's got like to, a we've, bad dream. My, my feeling on this film is that a really interesting parallel film, which it's dawned on me, is a really good film to sit alongside it and interrogate which was more effective. This film is not doing, it, it, it is exploring in many ways, many of the same things as a Razorhead. Yeah. And the Jack Nance character in A Razorhead is not entirely dissimilar to Bo insofar as he's wandering around in a perplexed fashion. Yeah. I mean, Bo's is far more sort of, it's more about him and his psychological relationship with his, his own mother and all that. But in a weird way, Eraserhead, Eraserhead wasn't making, trying to make obvious connections. Whereas no, I think this was making better. obvious connections yeah. and they became too psychic. They were too obvious. This to me Freudian. was more like the, the Aronofsky film called Mother. I sort of felt that that was the effect he was going after. Mm. It was Mother, Mother, Mother. Mm. And as a woman also in the audience, I mean, he gave me nothing. Mm. He gave me absolutely nothing. Although you can, one can say, well, psychologically, I can become the everyman or the every mm. person that Joachim was. It was so specifically male, mm. I felt, that whole sort of thing of being mm. the fear of the mother, the vagina, the giant penis is so specifically male. It's all, it's all a bit obvious. Well, it's so obvious. I mean, That's the what giant I'm saying. Penis? I, mean, yeah, I'm saying. I mean, there's this, they park this thought, don't they, earlier in the film that his scrotum is too big. Yeah. And in fact, oh, yeah, and I think, in fact, in, in his sex scene, there's a shot, unfortunately, quite an explicit shot. We can see his giant ball bag kind of yeah. bouncing around, and it's Nathan Lane says to him, "Doesn't he? You need to get that sorted." And yeah, then you know, I think an important part of the whole film is this fact that she was she ran this company, yeah, and every and everyone was an employee. The idea of a company and the idea of of people working for her. Yeah. So there's this suggestion that his even his romantic interest with the young girl. Yeah, he asks, "When were you? When did you start working for my mum's company?" Yeah. and I think the inference there was that was she always, even as a child. Yeah. and so in that, there's a bit of a Truman Show going thing going on here too, where he is a pawn in a preordained and scripted, managed, owned business of life, which is his mother's business. So, but it, she's a ball breaker, and and that's all she is. So, what were your? So, give us. So, what did you think of it? I was furious. <laughs> Why furious? Because of this contract thing. I just kept Con thinking. Right. Okay. I mean, in the same way as when I came out of what was the Kate Blanchett film? I thought that's a, that is a film that I didn't want to die without having seen. This film was a film that I just right. thought. I am cross that I've spent three hours learning mm. about this. What is essentially it's Philip Roth? It's it's Howard Jacobson. It's every Jewish male right. um, fear of the overbearing mother, right down to showing us the huge, you know, penis and her being sort of yeah, just penis in the attic. Penis in the attic, and his, and nothing. No woman 
he didn't give me anything as a woman. I thought it was excellent up until 35 minutes in. I, I really liked everything he was doing when we were in his flat, in his apartment, in that community, in that world. I, I thought that too. I thought everything about it was really hitting all the right notes for a sort of mental that. health yeah. crisis, the whole kind of, you know, psychosis. It, it felt, you felt like you were going, I felt like I was going through psychosis. I mean, yeah. that scene in the bath will stay with me forever. No, and if yeah. there's nothing, if there's one thing you can say about Ariaster, I'm thinking of in Hereditary, the scene where a head pops yeah, off. Yeah. He's very, he is quite capable at delivering, you know, a moment or two in each of his films where you're like, I will never forget that. I'm thinking of when they chuck in Midsommar, yeah. the heads, you know, people often hit their heads. And yeah. Usually happens around. I mean, a, he, he's, a, he's obsessed with people losing their heads. Yeah. He's got a head obsession. And he's got a, a treehouse obsession. The fact that, you know, the, the mother of Bo sends him up into the attic, you know, a lot of attic yeah. action going on. So it, I, I suppose what I felt with this was, whereas a razorhead wasn't asking you to approach it in a psychoanalytical process, but if you do, it becomes fascinating. Yeah. This film was demanding you approach it with a psychoanalytical approach. And if you did, it didn't really give you too much you that was absolutely new. absolutely summed it up. Would you say? Absolutely. And I would agree with that 100%. Mm. Wow. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so in summary, go on, you summarise and you score it. Well, no, you've just really summarised it. But you were quite, you, by the sounds of it, you were, you were irritated in the way that, in a way, I was by Tar. Yeah. Because I didn't have that strong a reaction to it. No, 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 you didn't, did you? I mean, I just thought... What did you think of the final? I thought the final scene was diabolical. Yeah. Right? Him on the boat. Yeah, the very Truman Show. I mean, very Truman it was Show. so sort of derivative. Games. I mean, it was... Of so and, many things. Like and it wasn't you. very well written. No, I mean, I think no, even the father or the, the guy, the judge doing all this stuff, it, was, it wasn't that, It wasn't as philosophical as I think he thought it was. No, no, I agree. I love the beginning scenes. Mm. I thought, if this is what we're going to get, this mm. jam-packed frame full of all these weird folks and then going in, taking over his place, him being across the road. I mean, I wanted to know more about mm. Bo at mm. that point. And then very rapidly after that, I couldn't have given a damn about Bo. It went wrong for me. We lost Bo in the woods. We lost Bo in the theatrical bit. That ah. was where I was distanced from him and I never got back to him because I even, although I really liked the urban apartment yeah. scene, I didn't mind the Nathan Lane suburban scene. I was uh, I was kind of, I was vibing with that. I quite liked Dennis yeah. Minichet kind of doing his Oh, map. I liked that, but and I didn't And I thought like the daughter the was good. I, I lost him there. What, I when she drank the paint? Yeah, I thought ah. it, was, it suddenly became stupid. How, how did you think Joachim Wacken performed? How did you... He was good within the parameters of the fact that his script would have read no, 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 mm. no, 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 and that was it. Mm. And that's all he had to do. Mm. He had to feel and emote, and that was that was it. Mm. And I do think, I go back to my point that I thought in Midsummer, it depended totally on, on Florence. Florence. Mm. And this depended totally on um, Joachim. It became silly. Mm. I mean, giant penis, come mm. on. As I... you say, like the huge sort of... Thing in the Ghostbusters, yeah, just like the marshmallow. I mean, I, I, I think what, what, in a weird way, the director did. I think his strongest asset, obviously, was Joaquin Phoenix, and he was, but he was doing a really good job of complementing the actor, his performer, yes. in those first two scenes, almost yeah. the first two or three scenes. And then what happened was he got he overwhelmed his actor yeah. with all these other ideas and setups and thoughts. And as soon as you go to a play within a play within a play thing, I mean, it, you've got to do it well. It's got, it's got to be, be Shakespeare. It's really. got, yeah, it's got to be some very and. I don't know, watching watching Phoenix sort of or Bo walk through these pretend scenes of The Wizard of Oz and all that malarkey, it, it just didn't do it for me at Also, all. The, the, the fact that you're given as the finale and the grand epic finale, the mother speech, 
yeah. which should have been it wasn't that it was bad it wasn't good enough mm. i mean i did believe that she didn't she didn't love him she hated him and mm. all of that that mm. but it was it was nothing it wasn't what we were expecting it we built up to mm. that and it fell completely flat to me so do you think we've really Bo is afraid is really in going to the cinema ariaster is asking us to watch his own personal film about his own issues absolutely it's a panic attack it's a, bit, it's a panic attack no it's, it's seriously <laughs> it's a, a panic attack a three-hour panic attack which yes. i cannot be bothered with after except after the first half hour okay well give us your score 55 mm. yeah i mean I, I yeah i think this had the potential to be so much better. i mean for yeah. me this did exactly what every other ariaster film has done for me which is it, yeah. it promises so much it has a lot of interesting ideas in there the execution in spits and spurts is spot on but not all the time no. i mean and i think yeah we've all got very excited about ariaster quite rightly so but I do. I don't. I don't actually think he's that in control of his his material no. as he likes, as we all like to think he is. No. I think he throws. I think we're, he's in danger of with this film having just thrown so much at the screen. Yeah. That by sheer dint of throwing that much at it, it it will fall back to to earth in a relatively favourable fashion. And yeah. I don't even think it falls back down to earth as favourably as his other two films. Mm. I think it's incredibly confused. I think I think he was navigating things really successfully for what the first hour through those first two acts. I thought, uh, and it really, really sagged, struggled, and never recovered After for that, me yeah. from the the in the forest scene and the you know and the father stuff and all. it just did, and I, you're right. There were times where you're sort of thinking, why why am I being asked to why care about this be? person? Who who is this person? You know, whenever you watch anything, the character that you're following, like. Like you say, you're, you're, you're looking for something of your own experience in that. And I, yeah. I wasn't struggling with that, with my mental health issues. I wasn't struggling to identify with the first two, you know, hour or so of this. But then after a while, it just became too personal. And it was just like, oh, OK, well, oh, so what that you feel this? And and and, I, and you're right. It's sort of it was it was his, his own sort of prolonged childhood trauma. Yeah. <laughs> writ large. Apparently, I, I did see a bit of an interview with him about this film. And the, interestingly, the beginning of it was an idea he had 20 years ago. Right. And that the, basically built on the idea of a man losing his key and coming out and not being able to leave his apartment. Right, right. And he said he's had that idea for so long. He should have stuck with that idea. To do something he should have, well, that, that, that clearly that is the most well-developed part of the film yeah. because that's the bit he should have stuck with. Because living with that panic, and when he was in the shop getting the water and looking across from the yeah. doors, I was feeling the yeah. sense of, oh, my God, this is really, really horrible and invasive. But they're all going into his flat. And Exactly. And that's, that. I think that's the other thing that was so... Annoying, and it's not—it's not as if so. Unlike Tar, in a way, how I felt about that was, he can really do horror when he mm, tries. Mm. Witness the bloke on the ceiling—it was horrific Horrible. to me. And and as you say, the anxiety making mm. of all the people go—he mm. can do horror. Yeah. But he chooses to do this stupid stuff, which yeah. is sort of built on his own psyche. I totally agree. I think you're right. And yeah. and, and if I'm honest, I, I would I would give it the same score. I think I'd probably oh, bang you? in there at fifty-five too. Yay! Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I was hoping it would make me think about much more. It started, and then by the end, I was just like, I wasn't exactly clock watching, but I was oh, like, I was. <laughs> bloody hell! I mean, and and I thought it ended with a bit of a. It did. There wasn't. It was a Truman Show. Go out, bang into the thing, and then. Very strange. Very strange. Anyway, do please do tell us what do you think, guys? Yeah. What did you get from it? Do you totally disagree with us? And if you haven't, please subscribe to the channel. Yeah.